everyone, and welcome to another Perusia podcast. I'm Shabul Raish, your host, and I'm live in the Sydney studio at Perusia with none other than the co-director of Perusia, uh, Kevin Bailey. Also, uh, he's the regional director of Divine Renovation in Australia and New Zealand. So he's joining me live now in the studio. Kevin, it's great to have you in the studio. Great to be here, Shabel. Fantastic. Uh, you do wear many hats, uh, and, and over the years, uh, just getting to know you and and you've had a very long career, um, not only in ministry in most recent years, but also in finance. And people around the world know you uh, as the finance guru. But even before that, uh, a career with SAS and, and even before that, you know, with, with the whole Winter Olympics. And so you've really had such a long uh, career. Uh, and then we won't forget East Timor and, and the work you've done there. And my goodness, you've got a, um, since joining Perusia and, and getting joining forces, also the uh, Order of Australia, uh, honour. Um, so it's just, there's so much and the list goes on. And um, yeah, I, I think it's it's great opportunity now that uh, we get together again. It's been a while since um, th those watching have seen you, um, us together. And it would be good just to sort of unpack what's the latest. And I know mm. you're heavily involved in divine renovation. We, we both are, but um, it would be good to unpack what that is, what yeah. divine renovation is doing for the church uh, in Australia and New Zealand. So are you ready to dive in? We live in interesting times. I think yes. that's a Chinese curse. May you live in interesting yeah. times. <laughs> um, but, you know, life's for living. And yes. um, it's about living it to the full. I think it was um, St. Uh, Irenaeus who said that, um, was it St. Irenaeus who said that um, the glory of God is man fully alive. And yeah, wow. I think that's um, how we need to live our life with purpose and intent and um, there's nothing better than um, focusing on uh, eternal intents and uh, focusing on what God has put us here for. And we live here on the earth for a relatively short period of time and an eternity is a long time. So effectively, uh, we've just got to get clear on what our purpose is and uh, go about doing that. It's, it's often um, difficult when we have so many distractions and so many things that pull us one way or the other but um, I've, um, I've had an exciting uh, life and uh, looking forward to an even more exciting life over the next uh, few decades. So um, we ain't done yet. So there's, there's lots to be done, that's for sure. Amen. That's what I love about you, uh, Kevin. You're full of life and uh, you live <laughs> life to the full. But it's yeah. contagious too. The joy that uh, radiates from you is contagious with people. You always light up a room when you go in it. And, um, and it's just been wonderful. I can't believe, what are we, 2022 now? Yeah. It was in 2014 when we first met. And, and mm. as people know, it's in, in my book. And I, I just came back from the United States. And it was, um, it was, a, it was Scott Hahn that united us. So yes, he was. He my, uh, mm. uh, if you just remember, very briefly, remember yeah. that time. I remember I said a prayer. You'd, um, Lord, if Scott Hahn agrees to come to uh, Australia, I'll take that as a sign uh, that you want me to keep going with Perusia. And the next day you called. Yes, I did. Scott Hahn told me to call you. So <laughs> yeah. you didn't know I had that prayer. You didn't no. know who I was. No. And, and then we, within months we joined forces. It was just yeah. amazing. Um, yeah. Very exciting times. And what had happened was <clears throat> I was um, asked by lots and lots of my um, Protestant um, friends, you know, brothers and sisters in the Lord, yes. um, um, lots of um, questions about uh, being a Catholic and, you know, all sorts of questions. Where's purgatory in the Bible? And, you know, why do you worship Mary? And uh, you should call no man father. Yes. And all sorts of challenges <clears throat> that are fairly stock standard um, misunderstandings of the Catholic faith that people were putting forward. And of course, um, I had had very little formation at school. Uh, I had very little 
capacity to answer those sorts of questions. But they said, you know, where's purgatory in the Bible? And I said, oh, it's in there. It's um, between Genesis and Revelation. Yeah. Can't quite remember the chapter or verse, but right. it's in there somewhere. <laughs> I now know Maccabees, which yes. um, they took out of the Bible. And also um, in, um, in Corinthians, uh, there's lots and lots of uh, references yes. to how we need to be um, made pure to be uh, in, in the presence of God and how yes. we desire um, to let go of any un, um, unwanted um, attachments to things that are not uh, focused on God. And so, um, you know, I didn't know that at the time, but what was interesting for me was when I started researching, um, finding these answers, you know, the idea of going to Dr. Google yeah. and uh, <laughs> looking up Google and trying to find those answers, I came across things like Catholic Answers, yes. Tim Staples and these sorts of people, Peter Kreft, um, yes. Scott Hahn, and uh, eventually I ended up in 2013, I went on a uh, pilgrimage with Scott and Kimberly Hahn, um, with my wife, and uh, we've got seven children. You didn't mention the uh, um, marriage and seven kids. It's that's always, right. that's, that's, right. that's my, um, um, that's the number my, one vacation. My, my number one um, identity of who yes. I am. Um, and um, we all went to the Holy Land with uh, Scott and Kimberly Hahn. And in fact, I'm taking a pilgrimage uh, with the Perusia pilgrimage to the Holy mm, Land, as you are next month so um, i'm going to be escorting john pridmore and a group of people and uh, you'll be going along with tim staples right. and a group of pilgrims uh, so we've got two pilgrimages next month but the last time i was in the holy land was with scott and kimberly hahn and i was trying to convince scott hahn to come to australia and he said well you know um if you want me to come to australia um i think you need to um drop everything you're doing and support chabel reich and uh, prussia media and uh, get involved with um Shabelle, if you do that, then I'll come to Australia. So I've fulfilled my part of the bargain yes. <laughs> and we're still waiting on him to come, but I'm sure he will. And uh, that was, um, he gave me your address and um, um, phone number and um, email address. And uh, next thing you know, I rang you when I got back from the Holy Land and that was just after you had made that decision on, yeah. on the future of I remember January Jerusalem. of 2014. Yeah. January of 2014. Oh, yeah. yeah I, amazing. And mm -hmm. then you ended up coming out... Uh, uh, to Sydney, uh, and then we met and we started planning. Uh, but then you had, uh, yeah, a very interesting idea, which was, why don't we join forces? And yep. then, and then mm. we did. I had nothing to lose, really. That was, was that Scott Hahn's idea, but, but anyway. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was just doing, so, you know, one of my prayers was, hey, let's, um, you know, one of the hardest prayers and the most frightening prayers is, is um, to surrender. That surrender yeah, prayer, saying, yeah. okay, Lord, I'm yours. Um, you're in the driver's seat. Um, I'm... Um, type A personality, um, real choleric um, um, sort of personality where I'm, um, I'm, I'm very sanguine. I'm very um, yeah, party animal. I love to party yeah. and have um, love being with people, but also very driven in um, when I get um, um, very intentional about yes. what I want to do and get um, an idea in my head. And then I focus uh, very, very much on that. And so uh, for me, uh, the idea was... Um, um, you know, um, if you you know, if if I'm always in control, then um, I'm not letting God uh, drive my life. And so that surrender prayer is, you know, Lord, um, I'll do whatever you tell me. Just yes. let me be on your team. Uh, let me be part of what your great vision is. And I think God, I know God has got a great mm. vision for us, um, for his church yes. and for the world. Amen. And uh, for so many of us, we get so uh, distracted and so caught up in what we want to do for ourselves and we waste valuable time um, in achieving our purpose. And so for me, being able to say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I want to um, respond. Help me to be res uh, responsive and to respond. And so 
um, when uh, the opportunity came up, um, I knew that um, in following you know, the Holy Spirit's guidance or following God's call on my heart, um, I was supposed to be um, working with you and Perusia. And it's been, you know, it's been a great nine years yeah, hasn't it? that we've been together. And the best is yet to come. Amen. 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 Bring it on. <laughs> so you had a very successful career at this point. And I remember, um, mm. I mean, tell us a bit. Just I know we've, we've gone through this before, but I'd yeah. love to just, in, in a very brief uh, snapshot here, just mm. to let the audience appreciate the career you've had. You've done quite a lot in, 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 in your life. And, and then you got to a point where you, you said you, you surrendered. And, and then many, many other Protestant um, ministries started to approach you. Yes. So how... How did that come about? I mean, you were yeah. on radio, you had a, a weekly column, yeah. you had you were on TV. Can you tell us a bit about um, that that change? Because you were a practicing Catholic. You Absolutely, were, you, have been what, all my life, cradle Catholic. Yeah, but what? Yeah. you went from you you practiced, but what what changed? There was a point where you went to the whole new level. For every one of us, <clears throat> we have to come face to face with a decision to be intentional about our faith and to mm. live our mm. faith. Um, instead of being in the world and going to church, we had to live in the church and go to the world. Yes. And there's a very distinct difference there. So I um, grew up in Sydney um, in working class, you know, fairly poor housing commission house with eight <laughs> kids in a two bedroom house. And <clears throat> I left school at uh, 16, joined the army and um, started a career in electronics, doing electronics engineering and studying. And um, I um, had, as you mentioned, I, I got involved in, um, in skiing yes. um, for the Army and their ski team. And then I ended up qualifying for the World Cup World Championships uh, to represent Australia. I was hoping to get into the uh, Winter Olympics in 1980, so I'm showing wow. my age now. <laughs> but um, effectively, I had a motorbike accident, which put me out of action for five months and out of the Olympics. But um, I, um, in my recuperation, decided that I wanted to uh, try out for the SAS, the Australian you know, Special Forces. And uh, it was the elite of the army. And yes. so my attitude was, if that's the elite, that's where I want to head. And that's what I want to do. And so I, <clears throat> I trained and prepared myself and went through their selection, very rigorous uh, selection process, and um, I became a member of the SAS. I spent 12 months on counterterrorism um, oh. task force, um, which when we set up the counterterrorist unit in the early 80s, I uh, worked with uh, Jim Wallace, who was my boss there. And he was a um, wonderful Christian, uh, Protestant Christian guy. And uh, I'd go to Bible studies with him and his family. And um, there was a mate of mine, Trace Wilson, um, and I were two guys from the, um, the SAS regiment <clears throat> that would go along to his Bible studies. But I was still very involved in um, getting Antioch off the ground um, in Australia back in the early 80s and working uh, with Antioch and very involved in my own faith. What, what is Antioch? Antioch is a youth that group to yep. young people. Uh, in the 80s, it was youth to youth ministry. The idea right. that young people, teenagers particularly, could um, share their faith with other young people. Yeah. And so um, I was asked by the youth chaplain, Father Jegro in Perth, um, if I would help out. <clears throat> I was in my early 20s at the time yeah. and, um, and had a little bit of cachet uh, being a SAS um, um, soldier. And, um, and so I had lots of these young people come around. I had a house that I um, set up, Antioch House, and we um, got involved in getting Antioch going and off the ground in South Australia and Western Australia. And, I met lots and lots of other young people who were fairly much on fire for their faith and they were the glory days. You know, we had lots and lots of people who were really deciding to take their faith seriously. And we had tens of thousands of people went through that youth movement, 
Bishop Commonsoli, Archbishop Commonsoli oh, in Melbourne. Is that right? He came, to, you know, really, you know, decided to, you know, to come to a deeper understanding of his faith through Antioch, and then okay. went into the priesthood and eventually became a bishop and archbishop. Uh, lots and lots of marriages mm. uh, came out of that. My wife Grace, mm. uh, she was Grace Parola, became uh, Grace Bailey, um, but. Um, um, we got married in 1990, and um, and um, it was we met through the Antioch movement, um, and so I was involved in that uh, in our marriage. You know, Grace and I were very involved in um, um, marriage preparation courses and doing uh, things in the faith. We worked. I was on the Archdiocese and Council for Marriage and the Family. We were involved in lots of things. We were, you know, had lots of kids, seven kids, and we were raising them in the faith. Mm. But um, when I left the army. Um, I left the army because I wanted to get married and have a family and, and it wasn't that conducive to, um, to married life being in the SAS. Yeah. And so I thought, okay. Um, but I was very interested in investing as a result of that motorbike accident where I missed out on the Olympics. I got a payout for loss of enjoyment of life for missing out on the Olympics. Okay. And as a result of that um, payout, I invested it and got very interested in how um, money markets work and the investment markets work. Mem remembering that I came from a very poor background, mm. um, I was very frugal and uh, very uh, interested in how money makes money. And the idea that I could be making money while I was asleep by investing in the US share market was really interesting for yeah. me. <laughs> um, and I had um, quite a bit of success in the 80s with investing and um, I was invited to, um, to get involved with a, um, an investment company. and. Um, um, I then started my career in the financial services sector and there was 28 years I had in the financial services sector. So that was my day job. But um, my real vocation was my marriage and family. Um, I got very involved with um, East Timor in 1991 when the Santa Cruz massacre occurred. I saw that on television and um, I felt uh, that uh, the, the Timorese had uh, sacrificed a lot for the Australian second, second and second, fourth independent companies, the commandos who were the forerunners of the SAS, uh, they were in East Timor during the Second World War. And so um, I really had a heart for the Timorese. In fact, 97% of the Timorese are Catholic, Roman Catholic, surrounded uh, by a large Muslim country in Indonesia. Yes. And they went through tremendous suffering. And uh, the church um, was doing what the church does best in standing up for the oppressed and the downtrodden and, and, um, and justice. And so what happened was... Um, I got very involved during the 90s in the struggle for uh, independence for East Timor uh, and that was um, in, on top of my day job uh, and on top of my involvement in our parish and involvement in the church as a whole and raising my family. And um, I eventually, when they got their independence in 1999, I became the Consul General, the first uh, diplomatic post anywhere in the world. They um, appointed me as their representative here in Australia wow. um, because of my you know, contacts with the military, my contacts with business and uh, my contacts with, um, with government. And yes. uh, so I spent about 12, 13 years as the uh, Consul General for East Timor. In the meantime, what I had been doing, um, I had actually established the, um, I was a foundation member of the Financial Planning Association. I was on the board of um, that um, association and I was asked to go on ABC radio. So in Melbourne, um, I would be um, running a weekly radio program on finance and investment. I was writing for the Herald Sun and, and the, uh, the Telegraph here in Sydney and, and the um, um, <clears throat> various newspapers. Um, I was um, often writing articles, your money column, you know, for about 12 years. Wow. Um, I'd go on ABC um, television with Alan Kohler and others um, talking about finance and investment um, issues. Uh, I ran my own business, the money managers. I built it up. We had over 50 staff working for us 
when I eventually merged it and um, we then listed that company on the stock exchange. And so I was very involved in business and um, raising my kids. Um, they were going to church and they were involved in their faith. But um, to be honest, um, like a lot of us Catholics, I was, I was basically really focused on being successful, really focused on making money and having a home and preparing for my retirement, all those sorts of things. Yes. When, which are important, but they're not the most important thing. And so when my um, kids started getting, um, you know, towards the end of high school and started to go to university and they started saying, well, I don't know if I, I want to go to mass anymore. And I went, that really woke me up that I thought I've got to, um, to really demonstrate um, um, what is most important in my life. And so uh, that's when I started saying, okay, Lord, whatever you want me to do, um, I've got to make... Um, a change and it's got to be intentional and it's got to be real and um, uh, that led me on that journey where um, I had been very involved with um, a number of uh, churches kept asking me to come and speak on finance and um, mm -hmm. and it was some churches asking me to talk about prosperity gospel you know God's gonna bless you yes. you can make lots of money if, if you follow Jesus and I thought that's not what the gospel exactly says you know I've you know um, the idea of sacrificial giving and the idea of basically um, living a life that's not being driven by financial success or um, um, monetary um, success, but rather uh, literally living a life which is sharing the gospel. And, and, um, uh, and that um, got me involved with a number of organisations. I was involved in India um, and, um, and, um, and a number of other countries and other places. That was uh, with MPART. MPART, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was on the board of MPART. Wonderful people doing amazing work literally millions of people coming to faith and I could see the, uh, the way that these people were literally, um, um, you know, surrendering their life, you know, to Christ. And some of them were martyred, you know, by Hindu nationalists and people in India. And I was thinking, wow, these people are fair income about things. I, I was asked to, um, to get on the um, board, to go on the board of Alpha, which is a, um, um, an organization that's in all the churches but uh, particularly in the Catholic context, um, mm. we have been pretty slack in relation to sharing our faith with other non-Catholics or with people um, um, out in the broader community. We tended to have this attitude that um, we'd marry a Catholic, we'd send our kids, have Catholic babies, get them baptised, send them to the Catholic schools. They'd grow okay. up and marry other Catholics and have Catholic babies and send them to Catholic schools and grow up. And, then, and that was the way that things just went on. But what started happening in the 60s, 70s, 80s, there's this great apostasy where, you know, huge numbers of people um, just stopped practicing their faith. We just were going through the motions. And so, um, you know, what um, St. John Paul II talked about was this new evangelization where yes. we need to evangelize the uh, sacramentalized. Yes. And um, we, it's no longer good enough just to have a situation where we talk to kids in schools about their faith and then they, um, they don't do any adult formation. And um, so I, I was a, a, um, a product of that, that era. And, um, and so for me, what broke my heart was that there were lots of my extended family weren't going to, to, to mass anymore, weren't practicing their faith. Uh, the secular society that we live in in Australia here um, really is very powerful. And even yes. when we get lots of migrant families, whether they come from Lebanon, or yep. Sri Lanka or the Philippines, Vietnam, yep. you know, they're keeping our, our church alive. Um, but their faith was the fruit was born in another country, in another society. And they've come here with their families. And our culture in Australia has been so dominant 
that eventually mm. the children or grandchildren of those people who came out of here as migrants stop practicing their faith. So there's something in the water we drink here or something that's going on where we're not as fair income about our faith as we need to be. And mm. quite frankly, we've got this pearl of great price. We've got this extraordinary uh, joy that we should have about following Christ and about being alive in, um, in the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can share our faith with others. And Alpha um, is a wonderful um, tool. It doesn't teach the catechism. It doesn't teach about you know the saints and it doesn't teach about the sacraments. It doesn't do any of that. It actually focuses on the kerygma, the initial um, desire that uh, through grace uh, comes into someone's heart where they say, yes, I want to actually find out more about, about Christianity. And so um, as a Catholic, I was on the national board of Alpha. I got involved with Alpha. Um, and, and through that, um, I then got uh, to meet Father James Mallon, who started the Divine Renovation Ministry. Uh, at the same time, where I, while I was involved in these other things, that's when back in 2014, um, I came to you and said, hey, let's get something, um, let's really, you know, sort of turbocharge Perusia Media and yes. get Perusia going to, to a whole new level to reach a whole range of um, people that we, um, we haven't touched before. And so for me, the most important thing in a post-Christian society, in a post-Christian pagan world, is to spread the gospel. And um, I don't want to um, um, eventually die and go to heaven. And my wife at this point says, um, if you go to heaven. Uh, <laughs> so if I go to heaven, um, I'd like to uh, think that um, I'd be up there with these greats of the, um, you know, Thomas Aquinas, Francis of Assisi, yes. um, Catherine of Siena, um, you know, sort of St. Augustine, St. Paul, you know, and, and um, you get to spend eternity with these great um, saints, these great heroes of our faith. And they say, what did you do um, while you were on earth? What did you do during your time? Well, I lived between 1960 and 2060, because I'm going to live to 100. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, over that time, what happened? I said, well, we went from where, you know, most people going to church, people living their faith, but then we became godless over that 100 years. And I said, oh, wow, what did you do about it? I said, oh, I just looked after myself. And, um, you, know, like, you know, like most daily mass goers, you know, we were social distancing long before COVID came along. And um, yes. we all just sit there and be very holy and keep to ourselves and we don't share our faith. And so the whole faith and the whole country sort of became godless around us and um, we didn't do much about it. And then they'll bully me and pick on me for the rest of eternity because I was such a wuss and such a wimp. So I've got to get out of being a wimp and I've got to basically do everything and, um, and, and expend every last ounce of my energy in sharing the faith. If I want my kids to practice the faith, they need to see an example of their father practicing the faith to an extreme extent so that they go, wow, this is really important. Because otherwise, they'll just follow all the other things that dad does and not um, um, you know, think that the faith is important. It's just something you can do on the side. You know, it's yeah. something that I need to live it um, because it's that example that's going to actually inspire my kids to live mm -hmm. their faith. And, and not only my kids, but my neighbours and my friends, my family members, my extended family, we need to be living a life filled with joy that people think, wow, what are they on? You know, yes. you know like they know they are Christians by their love, the way yes. that they love each other, the way that, you know, even during persecution, you know, St. Paul and St. Peter, you know, they would talk about they would get whipped or they go to jail, but they'd be singing, you know, in joy. Yes. Yes. And so, you know, the fact is, is not that we're not going to be persecuted, 
But the fact that there's something much greater than the persecution, there's something yes. that's much more um, um, fulfilling for us yes. than our own comfort and our own, you know, um, so uh, happiness. So I wanna, that's important. I mean, this is what I'm excited about this show. Mm. What I want to do is really explore all this side of it. Yes. Um, yeah. But what everyone just heard there was a snapshot. I mean, it's very hard. You know, it's hard to get a word in edgeways. But, that's, but it's, <laughs> I mean, 10, 15 minutes to get a snapshot of your career. Yeah. But to, to know that, you know, it was that point which you've just said, what about your children and, yeah. and and so that really hits home um and so yeah my, myself as a father and um and we had um little alexander baby eight uh, a year ago now and yeah i've and only got seven seven he's, eight he's yeah. beaten me it's not a competition it's not a competition, it's not a competition. but but yeah <laughs> you know, a the oldest is 15 and uh, <laughs> yeah. and then he's Michael. got to discern what he's going to do in his career and, yeah. and, he, and he's looking to his father yes what what is dad doing um and and so he needs inspiration and Yes. And it's a real serious question, like yeah. what are we doing preparing the next generation? Mm. And if we're not fulfilling our role, yeah. and so that really does um, hit home with me as well now yes. at this point in my parenting. Yeah. Um, but just for all of us, that turning point for you, it was, and not that you were, uh, you know, you were practicing your faith, you yes. were involved, but there was so much more and you, you just touched on it. We, we can't just be content with the status quo, you know, someday yeah. mass tick the box and we're done. Yeah. You took it to a whole new level, and as as you right and eloquently said it there, I mean, just what would the saints say, you know, yes. in heaven? What, you, what, when I look back on my life, and I think, yeah. what have I done? Yeah. What is you know, you know, family is important. All those sorts of things. People say, oh, when I die, when you're on your deathbed, you don't wish you spent an extra hour in the office, or you don't yeah. wish you made an extra, you know, hundred thousand dollars, or you made some extra yes. money, or, or all those sorts of things. What's important is family, but what's What's even greater and more important than family is God yeah. and faith. And, and, and our purpose in life isn't just to make more money than everyone else or isn't just to, um, to be more, have more toys or more um, you know, yachts and, um, mm. and, um, and things, but literally, uh, or cars or whatever it is, uh, keeping up with the Joneses. Yes. Our, our purpose in life is to, is to literally um, share the gospel. Amen. The whole of history is a, is a battle between good and evil, between Christ and Satan, between, um, you know, the unravelling of history is we're part of this great mosaic, this great story. And we've got a role to play yeah. that every one of us in Ephesians um, chapter 5, I think it is, where, where St. Paul wrote to the Ephesians saying that, you know, God has prepared good works for you in advance, you know, for us to do, to prepare us to do the work, there is, there is a job for us to do. Yeah. And our joy will come from finding that purpose, finding that, um, that role. And, and so for me, um, you know, there's nothing more important than sharing the gospel. And um, as a Catholic in Australia, um, we um, are asleep at the wheel. Yeah. Um, we have been involved in, um, if I can use an example, um, my mum died um, about three years ago um, and, you know, I was here in Sydney where mum was in a nursing home and she was involved with these wonderful people who did this palliative care. They looked after mum, they made her comfortable. Uh, in that last month or two before she died, um, I can't um, um, say how highly um, I, I, I uh, respected the people in palliative care. They had a job to do and they did it really well and they were making mum comfortable as she prepared to... Um, um, to, to die and, and, and hopefully to go to heaven. Um, they also made um, me and my siblings really comfortable. 
And it was wonderful to have that comfort. And we, we were um, very much appreciative of that. But what it did was it made me stop and think um, the end result of palliative care is, is just preparing someone to die and close up shop. And then I looked at some of our parishes and I saw so many of my brothers and sisters in the Catholic Church that were just actually trying to make people as comfortable as possible. And they were preparing the parish for palliative care. Wow. And as good as palliative care is, I don't think that's our mission. It was the mission of those people who were looking after my mum. And that's great. That's a great um, 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 mission and a great um, role for people to play. But I don't think that the, the entire church in Australia is called to just be involved in palliative care, no. to shut down shop, to end the church in Australia. No that way. somehow I think that, that, um, that God has got a greater vision um, than us just going through the motions and maintaining the flock and just making people comfortable. The cross is not comfortable. Jesus um, wants us to imitate him. And so he's shown us that suffering can actually bring about, you know, great um, um, grace. And that, in fact, <clears throat> we are called to be persecuted. We are called to be courageous. We are called to be brave. <clears throat> and so, um, effectively, um, our job is not to keep people comf uh, comfortable. Our job is to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, uh, we need to um, have the courage to actually speak the truth, even though the truth is going to be costly, even though there are going to be consequences. But in a time when our culture is pushing for a whole range of godless um, things that are really against the gospel, against mm. the teaching of Christ, and we remain silent. You know, evil prevails not because of evil men, but because good men do nothing. Mm. It's about time we got off our backsides and started being intentional about proclaiming the gospel. It's going to mean we're going to have to get out of our comfort zone. It's going to mean we're going to have to do things we don't want to go do and go places we don't want to go. You know, St. Peter talked about uh, the fact that he had to go places he didn't want to go and that he would, you know, literally, um, yes. he would die on a cross like Jesus. And until we're ready to embrace that, and embrace that, that vision and that mission, then we're going to be wimps and we're going to be sooks and we're going to just go through the minimalist approach and do the minimum and go to Mass on Sunday. Um, you know, so many Catholics don't even go to confession anymore. So many Catholics don't even go to Mass every Sunday. Um, so many families don't pray the rosary. So many families don't pray at home, don't even pray um, grace before meals. Um, the migrant families do, but they were formed somewhere else. <laughs> And they came here. And so, you know, the fact is our church is alive because we bring priests from other countries and we bring families from other countries. Any place where you find a vibrant parish, it's usually because you've got more migrants. If we were just Anglo-Saxons and reliant on um, no migration, um, our church will be, you know, disintegrating at a greater rate. It's, you know, you know, we've got to do something about it. It's not up to just the bishops or just the clergy, the priests. It's up to every one of us as baptised Catholics. Our baptismal calling is to go make disciples. And uh, Pope Francis, you know, talked about it in Evangelii Gordium in 2013, you know, that encyclical, which says that we're all missionary disciples. And, and in fact, unless we embrace our identity as Catholics, as missionary disciples that are prepared to go and ask our next door neighbour 
or ask the person we buy our milk from or the person we buy our petrol from at the service station or to ask um, people to come and, and um, experience, come, you know, taste and see uh, the goodness of the Lord, then we are not um, uh, really living our lives as Catholics. And we can make excuses and we can actually say, oh, that's uncomfortable. You're making me feel uncomfortable, Kevin. Shut up. Don't, <clears throat> don't go there. The fact is, is we have to go there. Otherwise, we're in palliative care. You know, if the average age of the person going to Mass today is 63 years of age, that means under life expectancy tables, in 20 years, um, there will be half the number still alive. That the life expectancy of a 63-year-old is 20 years. So therefore, if our average age of the people in the pews is 63, we'll halve the number of people, even if no one ever leaves the church in the next 20 years, unless yeah. we are bringing in adult converts, yes. unless we are bringing in people that are wanting to live the faith to the full. And we have got the antidote to yes. the problems of the world. We've got youth right. suicide, we've got pornography, we've got marriage breakdown, we've got all sorts of problems. <clears throat> People talk about the world is going to hell in a handbasket and we're just going along to church on Sunday and minding our own business and staying comfortable. You know, do we really think our kids are going to follow us in that bland, boring, beige existence? You know, what young people want is they want to be challenged. They want to yes. lay down their life for something greater than themselves. Yes. And we're not giving them that. We're just trying to make it easy. You know, we have Ascension Thursday on a Sunday because it's easier. <clears throat> we have, um, you know, many people, you know, um, we had the Assumption, the Feast of the Assumption on a Monday. So people thought, oh, you know, in some dioceses they have it on, on the Sunday instead of the Monday because yeah. otherwise no one will come to Mass. Let's make it easy. You know, and it's not about making our faith easy. It's making it real, making it relevant and making it challenging. Mm -hmm. And uh, something that's it's like me wanting to get into the SAS because it was the most challenging thing in the in the army. So therefore, I'm going to I'm going to pit myself against the, the brightest and the best. I'm going to try for the, you know, for the for the big goal, the big hairy audacious goal. And we've got to challenge people. That's why um, I've been so enthralled by the way that divine renovation has has really challenged parishes to live um, the life and to be the um, the parish that God creates the parish to be the central hub of our lives and um, for so many parishes it's become a sacramental service station yeah. so many people get involved in movements and they just go to the church just to get the sacraments and um, um, it's not good enough no. for people to to really be involved in their faith in other places we've got to actually uh, take responsibility to bring our parish alive. And so um, <clears throat> I got involved with Divine Renovation uh, because I saw there was a real need. With Parisian Media, we're providing the resources, the faith formation resources that I felt we needed. I could see family, friends, um, my whole church that I love, the body mm. of Christ here in Australia, just disintegrating before my eyes in many respects. Catholic schools that no longer um, focus on teaching the Catholic faith to the degree there's lots of wonderful teachers that do extraordinary things, but 98% of kids coming out of Catholic schools are no longer practicing their faith. And that's not good enough no. for me, for you, for anybody. No, we can't um, accept lots of the teachers don't practice their faith. You know, my son is a teacher in a Catholic school and, you know, you know, practicing the faith, but finding that nearly all the other people in the staff room are not interested. Um, most of the parents who send their kids to Catholic schools 
are not interested in the faith. They just want a cheap private education. So we, we actually go along with that. When kids uh, come for their first communion, their, their parents or, or their baptism, the parents just think they're just going to get the kid done, but they don't practice their faith. And we think, oh, that's okay. We'll just baptise them anyway. We'll just give them first communion. They never get second communion, but that doesn't matter. Um, you know, this is insane. They see that and they see the way that we treat it. So, you know, we, we know that there's a promise that they're going to raise a child in the faith. And we know that they lie that they're going to say they're going to do it, but we just do it anyway. Um, we've got to stop the, with this mediocrity that we're, we've, we're involved in. And so I could see all this happening. And so um, when I started getting involved um, by surrendering, saying, OK, God, whatever you want me to do. And my Protestant friends, you know, um, got me speaking to, you know, um, and involved with lots of their ministries. And they kept asking questions about the Catholic faith. I wasn't well formed. You know, at school, we're not getting the catechism. We're not understanding the background. Mm -hmm. Even my own kids have said to me now as adults, how come I didn't know any of this stuff um, when I was growing up? You know, it's only when I've read the, um, the books and the seat and listened to the CDs and done some of the courses that you've, you've, um, you've got at home here because of Perusia Media. And I'm saying guilty. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mary Claire. I'm sorry I didn't. I, 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 I thought you were going to get it at school, but they, that you didn't. And, and they wanted to teach social justice and world religions and, and this whole thing about the fact that all religions are equal and everyone's, you know, this no. uh, you know, big sort difference of between humans equal in dignity versus and, and freedom, freedom belief, then all religions being equal, which is yeah. a very different question. There's, you know, there, yeah. there's the one true faith yes. that there's only one religion. You cannot have all religions, no. um, you know, being the same because they no. all contradict each other. That's right. And, and so the, the key is then people think, oh, throw them all out because religions are all, you know, mm -hmm. they, they don't take the time to focus on um, what is true and what's yes. not true. We don't know what truth is anymore. That's right. And so, you know, we're all relative. Everything's relativism. And so, you know, what I found was um, I needed to actually uh, find, I went Googling and finding, you know, mm. finding out for myself, but then I, I, I um, was fortunate to be put in contact with you through Scott Hahn. And then I saw the resources that Perusia had. So we, we set about making sure these resources are going to be available for all Australians. We went to America with all the lay ministries, EWTN, Catholic Answers, Ascension Press, Augustine Institute, Lighthouse Catholic Media, yes. um, <clears throat> Ignatius Press, you, know, you name it. We uh, signed up uh, to actually provide all their resources as their boots on the ground here in Australia. And <clears throat> that's made a huge difference. But what I discovered was that there were so many parishes, so many schools, they say, oh, no, we're not interested in that. Too Catholic, too Catholic. No, 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 don't. Yeah. So and they weren't ready. They yeah, weren't to take ready that. to yeah. actually dive deep, deep into their mm. faith and their formation. What they needed was that charismatic experience, that experience of, of um, coming to know uh, Christ and to have that hunger, to have that desire really um, yeah. turned on and, and um, a light within them so that they would be wanting more and more. And so that's where I saw Alpha was a wonderful way to, um, to give people the opportunity to invite people to something other than just say, come to Mass. Yeah. Because it seems pretty, you know, pretty strange. And anyone who's never been to Mass would think it's like Catholic calisthenics, you know, where you've got to stand, kneel, sit, you know. Without um, any context. Without any there's no background, context. Yeah. It's the source and summit of our faith. It's this extraordinary experience where God is real presence, you know, body, soul, blood and divinity comes and, and, and our God that we worship is there physically present within us uh, and, and um, 
and and in our midst. Yes. And and so to understand the mag uh, magnitude of that is yes. is incomprehensible to someone who's never been to mass. So to invite someone to come to a um, a, a meal and um, ask some questions about the meaning of life and what you know everything's going crazy, COVID, all this sort of stuff. Come along and um, and ask some questions and yeah. and and that experience of belonging before they believe and before they behave. Yes. So people that are living sinful lives, people that are are totally alien to the Catholic Church or totally alien to things that we believe, when they sense that they belong and they're listened to and they can actually ask some questions and other people can ask some questions and then um, they can have an evening where they can have a bit of a talk and a bit of a time to ask some questions and share a meal and have hospitality. Yes. Um, and so that's what Alpha is. Yeah, it's a very informal, <laughs> um, a relaxed environment. Uh, you yep. watch a, a short clip yep. and then discuss it and it's getting you from pretty much... Um, uh, would you say someone who's not even thinking about who God is yeah. asking those big questions? Yeah. God, are you there? Who is God? Who is Jesus? Is he Lord? And yep. you get to that point of Jesus is now Lord of my life. Yes. And, and that's but the people don't know that when mm. they go for the first time. And so no. I would never invite someone to come to a 10 week course. No. Yeah. Um, what I'd say is come on Monday, on a Monday night and, and, and try it, you know, taste and see. And then if they like it, they can come the next week mm. and then the next week and then the next week. And gradually, inextricably, they start to fall in love with Christ and with the gospel and with the, the words and the grace that comes into their heart. And so it's a bit like, you know, um, you don't meet a girl and say, oh, would you marry me? Um, what happens is you say, would you like to go on a date? Yes. Would you like to taste and see? Would you like to go have a meal together? And then gradually get to know each other. So Alpha is where you need to invite. But you know the problem we have as Catholics? We don't want to invite the next door neighbor. No. We don't want to invite the stranger. We don't want to invite somebody from work or whatever. We're terrified. Yeah. And we think we've got to convert them, but we don't. The Holy Spirit converts. All we've got to do is invite them. Yes. Um, and yet 99% of my Catholic friends won't even invite someone. Yeah. Um, and, and so we just ask other people in the parish to come who are already going to Mass because it's yeah. an easy option. The time for the easy option is over. So Alpha is an incredibly powerful tool to actually get people just to come and see. Great starting and, and point. It's a starting point. After <clears> that, you know, I've got a friend who's a priest in Christchurch, Father John Adams, who last uh, Easter had 13 adults coming um, to um, um, the RCIA and becoming um, a baptised Catholics as adult um, baptisms out of a parish of 200 people. And um, 13 Beautiful. new Catholics coming into the faith. Now, that didn't happen by chance. That happened because they were intentional and they started running Alpha courses. Okay. And so that was very exciting to get that going. And we just, you know, I'd like to mm. make a point here because there are still, in, within the Catholic context, yeah. very mixed feelings about Alpha. And it's good to just address it very quickly before sure. we move on to uh, the Divine Renovation. But within Alpha, yes, founded um, by the Ang an Anglican, um, who, who's a wonderful man of faith and doing great. It's, it's across the whole world. But it is the Alpha, not the Omega. And where we want to make sure here is... <coughs> It is not replacing the faith formation because its intention it's, isn't to be It's faith not formation. faith formation, it's charisma. Yeah. It's experience. And this is the difference. And then they actually look for... Perusia provides faith formation materials. Yeah. Alpha is not a faith formation material. It should never be no. used for that. Okay. You know, what happens is so many... Some people may, may think it is. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's a bit not like that. This is a chair, right? Yeah. And if I need to change one of these lights here, yeah. I can actually stand on the chair to change the light bulb. And my wife will say... 
um, you should get a step ladder that's designed for changing light bulbs. Now, I this is designed for sitting on. Yeah, not standing on. Not standing on to change light mm. bulbs. Now, I can misuse this um, in a disordered fashion mm. to change light bulbs and I achieve the goal. But it's not, it's not what it's designed for. People misuse alpha, the alpha program all the time to try to use it for faith formation, to yeah. try to use it for building community, to try to use it for this and that and that. It's designed to actually introduce non-believers into coming into a first-time experience of Christ. Yeah. And if it's used for that, it is incredibly powerful. And what um, people, um, they, they say, oh, it's a Protestant or it's... You know, the fact is you can use it in a Baptist church or you can use it in an Anglican church or a Catholic church or, or Hillsong or anything. The fact is, is um, it doesn't teach formation. It doesn't teach the sacraments. It doesn't teach anything. It just gets people an opportunity to start talking about their faith and, and to understand that Jesus um, came um, to save us. He yeah. died on the cross to bring justice and repentance for all of our sins and substitution of, of Christ dying on the cross for our sins so that he opened the gates of heaven so that we can be like Christ and we can be united in, in heaven with God. Yeah. So that is the message, the kerygma message that, that Christ died and, and rose from the dead and opened the gates of heaven. Can I share the story with yeah. Jeff Cavins recently yeah. in Napa? He was on the board of Alpha in America. And, yeah. and so they, he was asked by fellow Catholics, you know, could you create an Alpha program that's Catholic, a Catholic mm. Alpha? Now, he it said, okay, alpha. well, he ended up uh, looking into it and he realized, well, it's pretty much what it is. Alpha is the Alpha. It's not... It's not, not the Omega. It's not the Omega. <laughs> and no. so he said... Mm. What it is is good. What what would be nice, and this is where you've seen this vision, mm. and you're 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 you know uh, you're following through with this. That alpha needs to be practiced by those who want to come in, but then there's other programs that we can invite people in to go further, like unlocking the mystery of the Bible, oh, the Bible time, and these other the, things, and the RCIA or even yes, you know, catechesis, you know, catechesis, and uh, and um, programs on on the. Um, and the sacraments, there is yeah. so much available, and Perusia is is really in that space. Yeah. But the Alpha program is is designed for something very very different. And so I am Catholic. I'll be Catholic to the day I die. Yeah. Um, and beyond. So universal. Amen. But, but the fact is, is that um, um, you know it it really doesn't take away from anything in our Catholic faith. It's really just an introduction to start people thinking about the meaning of life and purpose and faith and who Jesus is and why he died. And then when they ask the Holy Spirit to come into their life, the same way as the apostles were able to receive the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, the ability to, you know, we think, you know, we think, oh, we know God, God the Father, you know, mm. in heaven. And then there's God the Son is like Jesus, you know, he's a hum he was in human form. We understand Jesus, we understand God, but the Holy Spirit seems a bit, doesn't it seems a bit weird to some of us, you know, but it's really that indwelling of Christ's a grace um, within us that 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 capacity to love and to actually respond to God that that is that is God that is the yes. Holy Spirit that that understanding of that so it's it's something that for as Catholics we feel like Ooh, we don't want to talk about mm. the Holy Spirit we can talk about Jesus or talk about God the Father but but that whole sense of of asking God to enter into our lives yeah and surrendering our lives to, to Christ in a way that actually transforms our life um, is scary. 
And so we, we think we'll go through the motions, but we don't want to go there because, you know, the cross is scary, so we don't want to go there. We don't want to suffer. We want to be comfortable. So we stay in palliative care. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's, that's not the answer. So Alpha um, is something that I thought, okay, this is something we need more and more Catholic parishes. Father James Malland was the same. Yeah. A, a wonderful priest in, um, a, in a tiny place in Halifax in Canada. Um, and he was using the Alpha as an introductory. And he started transforming his parish. He started getting serious about how to transform his parish. And, and he developed um, this, this whole um, idea of, of uh, people, you know, really having lay leadership in the parish, working to support the priest, to, to really be serious, to move from maintenance, where you maintain the flock, to mission, where you actually have people go out at the end of mass, mass is called mass because it's you know basically missa at the end of mass yes. is is go forth and proclaim the gospel, proclaim the good news, and we just go home. Yeah. But the fact is, is we need to proclaim the good news, and so Father James developed divine renovation as a a, a pathway, a, as a a way. It's a not it's not a program. It's no. it's a um, it's a movement. To, to, to really renew the face of parish life around the world, particularly in the West. And so in Europe, in Canada, in America, Australia, um, South Africa, um, New Zealand, what we've got now is a ministry which is dedicated and focused on supporting priests. You know, we have Support Your Priest Sunday. Yes. But Divine Renovation is about supporting priests in their leadership. The three keys of Divine Renovation are focusing on the very best of leadership, um, focusing on the power of the Holy Spirit to transform, prayer, to be deeply embedded in prayer. And the third key is to, <clears throat> is to be missional, mm. to be evangelising. Yeah. And if your parish is focused on, on providing services for those who are in the, in the pews, you'll be so busy you'll never get around to mission. But if you focus on mission and every single person in the pews has got a job to do, that it's no longer good enough just to turn up and give you three bucks or five bucks on the plate <laughs> and then think, you know, warm the pew for an hour at Mass on Sunday and go home and think that's the end of it. That that's if right. you focus on prayer, you focus on leadership and you focus on being missional, then what happens is you give better homilies as a priest. You give better hymnals, hymns, you know, hymns, homilies and hospitalities, the three <laughs> H's. And so um, Father Chris Ryan from Sydney here is uh, one of the authors of a new book that Divine Renovation has just uh, brought exciting. out. Just this week. Just this week. So um, it basically it's a, a great book, Preaching on Purpose, a Divine Renovation handbook for communicating the gospel today. And so, you know, um, Father Alex... Um, Kulati, uh, Father Simon Lobo, Reverend Rob McDowell, and uh, Father Christopher Ryan um, from Sydney are the, yeah, uh, the authors, the co-authors of this book. And so um, published by, uh, Divine, uh, by um, Perusia Media, uh, Perusia here yeah. in Australia. And so we're working collaboratively with Divine Renovation. And so it's a, it's a terrific it's a good um, book. resource. Fantastic. And so the original um, book that Father James Mallon wrote um, he thought they might sell a thousand copies for priests. Yeah. Um, that's divine renovation uh, from maintenance to mission. That's the original. The original uh, book, book in yes. 2014, and literally that sold about 170,000 copies. 
And so the idea of divine renovation and my ministry, where Father James wow. um, and Dan O'Rourke, who runs the ministry yes. globally, asked me to, to literally establish a ministry for Australia and New Zealand. Our role is to support parishes and priests to yes. become more missional, to become more focused on prayer, more focused on leadership, and more focused on the mission of the church to bring new people um, into this wonderful um, vision of the Catholic Church. And so um, our job is to inspire, yes. to equip with the resources that we provide, the workshops, the training, the books, the uh, conferences. Uh, and we've got Father James coming out in, um, in February very to uh, Sydney, which is going to be very exciting, a big conference yes. that we'll be holding. Uh, so we have to equip um, as well as inspire, but we have to connect parishes, priests, people who have got a desire for a, 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 a bigger church, a brighter church, a more faithful church with other people so that we're not alone. We know we're not alone. Yes. One of the things that I found was I thought nearly everyone I know is not interested. Um, but in fact, um, there are school teachers who are so committed to teaching the faith Mm. But they feel alone. There are priests who want to transform their parish, but they don't know how to start. Um, there are parishioners who would love to see a dynamic parish that's filled with people that are, you know, with um, you know, huge numbers of new people coming to be baptised. Yeah. With, um, with um, music that is just, you know, lifting our hearts to heaven. With um, 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 sermons and uh, mm. preaching that is, is just you know, inspiring us and, yes. um, and with hospitality where people feel that they belong, yes. that they're part of a broader family, that this is their home. Right. And so our job is to inspire, to equip and to connect. And so we are working um, throughout all the dioceses in Australia and New Zealand in providing those resources and that support. We're Great. all donor funded. Wow. And so, you know, basically we're, we're not charging anyone for anything. We're basically providing all of this and then when people then get involved in our mission of transforming their parish, uh, they start running the Alpha courses because that's an easy way to bring new people into their parish. And then those people get on fire for their faith. And then they get involved in leadership uh, in their parish and they get involved in uh, running other Alpha courses or getting involved in ministry, getting involved in running a Bible uh, timeline, um, getting involved in utilising some of the resources that Parisia is providing. And so... What we found is that um, we need to start at the beginning, like just, um, Steve Covey talked about, you know, you know, basically beginning at the beginning, you know, sharpen the saw, yeah. you know, and begin with the end in mind. Yes. And so having a vision, having a mission for what the parish can be like, it doesn't have to be palliative care. It doesn't have to be just blandly going along as we just peter out and die. Not on my watch, baby. Uh, Not <laughs> while I'm here. Love it. <laughs> you know, for each and every one of us, we are going to actually um, um, commit ourselves to a worthy, worthy goal. And so that our, our place is not with those cold and timid souls who neither accept you know, victory nor defeat. As uh, Theodore Roosevelt said back in uh, on the Saborn, back in 1911, you know, you have to be in the arena. We have to be fighting the good fight. We have to be, you know, literally, if we, if we succeed, we succeed while daring greatly. And if we fail, we, we, uh, we fail um, um, 
by you know committing ourselves to a worthy goal and we and we we fail but at least we've actually given it all we've got yes and so that's that's the mission we've got that's the challenge we've got and that's exciting that's worth dying for yes. it's worth living for it's worth living a life um, that is utterly committed to um, to Christ committed to the faith committed to the spreading of the gospel and committed to building his church that's what he's called us to do Amen so that we can be a light to in the darkness, that we can shine the answers to what the world is desperately crying out for and doesn't know that they need anymore because we it's not their fault, it's our fault because we've let the woke culture of this world um, push all of these meaningless, empty, empty mm. uh, promises on the world that don't, that don't fulfill, that don't um, um, fill people up with joy. And yeah. yet what we've got is something that is, is beyond um, anything the world can offer. And we're not offering it. It's time for us to get off our backsides. It's time for us to get real. And it's time for us to surrender everything. All of yes. our time, all of our treasure, and all of our talents need to be surrendered to the mission of Christ or else we are doing the world a disservice. We're doing our children a disservice and we're doing our um, country a disservice. Amen. It's right. time to... Um, you know, get out there and kick ass. Kick ass Christianity. <laughs> Let's do it. Oh, you bet. In the last few minutes here, so very briefly, we've got um, resources available, perusiamedia.com. We now distribute that. And if, if a parish wanted to uh, get in touch with, with you and how do they uh, learn more about Divine Renovation, if they become a, a Divine Renovation parish, how do they go about doing that? Jump on our website, divinerenovation.org. Okay. And you can Google it. Yeah. These days, you can find anything if you want yep. to find it. And so, divinerenovation.org, we've got all of our information there. Yep. Contact us. We've got our telephone number. We've got our email address. Um, give us a call. Um, you know, contact us via the uh, web. Um, we will provide the backup, the support, the equipping, the inspiring, the connecting. Uh, come to our conference when Father James Mallon yes. comes out. So, that's um, uh, February uh, 12 to 14, yep. 2023. Yep. Very excited about that. In about six that. months' time. Yes. So um, five months' time. Yeah, so that's that's going to be very exciting. Um, then Perusia Media has got lots of resources and Perusia Media puts, you know, you've got connections through the Perusia site to come onto our site yeah. and to uh, the information that we've got Yeah, we just had well. a recent online um, uh, retreat. retreat, which was great, mm. uh, refreshed and renewed. Yes. And that was very well attended and it was great to have... Deacon Harold in there and Dr. Edward Shree and Steve Ray and Father yep. James Mallon, of course, and yes. many Australian speakers. So yep. that was wonderful to, to see Pelican. that. Mm. Yes, some great people. Um, we're excited. Um, I hope the, the viewers are excited, those watching. Thank you very much. Um, I do have to, as people are watching, subscribe to get more of these podcasts and, and pray for Kevin Bailey, the work he's doing. Um, pray for Perusia, but pray for Divine Renovation Australia New Zealand because we're only getting started. And very excited about where things are going. yet to come. Amen, amen, amen. <laughs> wow. Don't forget, um, before we, I, I can't close without inviting you to also visit uh, our website, perusiamedia.com, because we are welcoming very soon in October, uh, Tim Staples and Deacon Harold, yeah. who are on fire for the Lord. Um, and we've got the Be Not Afraid tour. And that's reawakening the church. And that's what we want to do. Re Divine Renovations want, want to reawaken the church. We want to do that too. So that's October 6 to 12. Go to our website for more details. Kevin, thank you so much. It's great to have you. Always, as always. a pleasure. Hey, always. Well God done. bless you. Great <laughs> to see you. That's Thanks, another Prusia podcast. I'm Shabal Raish. And until next time, God bless. You.